Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Exit Row Podcast. Uh, this is a place that we've created for you to learn about tools, techniques, strategies, and professionals that can help you to exit your business into a great retirement. And we define a great retirement as one where you are exiting when you want, with the total income that you want, and a purpose so that you're living the retirement you want to live. I'm Frank Warren, occasional racing driver, coffee junkie, and bow tie wearing business exit and succession planning ninja. Uh, I'm the associate director of Seabrook Wessex, which is a South Carolina-based consultancy. Most of our work is with uh, uh, family-owned businesses and entrepreneurs who uh, either are exiting their companies into retirement or are planning on selling them. Um, So we uh, uh, consult with families and help them to design those exits or um, design and facilitate uh, the succession uh, within their uh, their family business structures. And um, and then also we help with uh, pre-sale due diligence and valuation. Um, We're not a law firm, we're not an accounting firm, and we're not a financial planning firm. But uh, we help to get everybody to play well in the sandbox together so that you get a better, uh, a better result, whatever it is that you are uh, aiming toward. Um, we are well into Q4 of 2021, and um, uh, I hope you had a better 2021 than, uh, than 2020. Uh, I know that, um, uh, that we see some great things now and, and are looking for some great things happening um, next year. Um, as you're uh, as you're thinking about uh, going into next year, uh, this is probably not a bad idea for most people to think about. What happens uh, if my uh, if I do decide that I want to um, to begin the process of uh, exiting my company into a retirement, or maybe I want to sell my company and uh, and go and do something else. Um, uh, or maybe I want to transfer my company to my um, uh, to members of uh, my family, children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, whatever. Um, on that last note, that's the place that I think can get a little bit on the sticky side. No matter what the route is for your exit, whether it's selling to insiders like family members or employees or selling to a third party, uh, it is important to take into consideration um, what happens inside your your family. Um, Typically, those of us who work in this area are um, with family businesses, always want our clients to be transparent with anyone who is a significant significant stakeholder. And that might be, (laughs) it's not necessarily someone who is a partial owner, it can be, uh, and really many, most of the time is, going to be people like uh, your management team, uh, your, your um, associates uh, that, work under the, that work with the management team, um, but also members of your family. Um, you know, we're, we're heading into the holiday seasons. Thanksgiving is, is uh, upon us very shortly. Um, and of course, if you're uh, listening to the to uh, the podcast in Canada, 
you've already had your Thanksgiving, and uh, uh, but uh, Christmas uh, is, is still coming upon you, and uh, that's a good time to reflect. Uh, uh, I've suggested to some clients that's not a bad idea when you have everybody over for the holiday for a holiday meal to just kind of look around, observe dynamics, and think about um, who is impacted by any decision that you make in your company. And um, uh, if you are deciding to uh, either sell your company or to transfer it to um, uh, through an internal sale to someone who is uh, a family member, whether or not they've worked in the business, uh, you have to carefully take into consideration uh, the effects of things on that person as well as anyone uh, else that um, might be on the sidelines kind of kind of looking in. I, I think back to uh, a couple of situations we had with uh, with clients in, <coughs> excuse me, in different parts of the country. Had a, uh, we had a client who was a uh, who operated a, uh, a a business that owned restaurants and taverns and uh, the it was a uh, it was a, essentially a mom and pop operation, and they decided they were they were ready to hang it up. There's they had a son-in-law who was active in the company. Uh, he was really effectively the chief operating officer, he, uh, almost functions as a, as a CEO on a day-to-day basis, uh, although he didn't carry that title. And um, they decided the this couple that owned this company. That they wanted to sell to their to their son-in-law. Well, they had a, a son who was a um, uh, who was not involved in the business at, the business at all. Uh, he was, in fact, a sales clerk at a at an electronics store. It was like a Radio Shack, or um, this is several years ago. It's like a Radio Shack or a uh, Circuit City, or you know, one of those. It's not in business anymore, whichever one it was. And um, he just, this young man just um, got his nose all out of joint at the very idea that uh, he, as the male child, would not wind up with this company. So, um, in discussing this with um, with our clients. We said, you know, we're not really sure we're going to be able to help you make this happen unless we uh, address this family dynamic issue. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, so what we wound up doing was bringing in a family therapist. And the family therapist met with all the parties individually, uh, then met with them as a group and came to into our offices and said, um... This one's not going to happen. <laughs> if, you, if you're going to sell the company to the son-in-law, um, it's, it's just not going to work. The family's going to be in really bad shape forever. So um, we crafted a solution in which the company would be sold to the daughter in this family, the one who is married to the son-in-law that was the C, uh, chief operating officer, and while the son was not completely happy with the result, 
he found it at least acceptable enough that he was willing to swallow the bitter pill um, because uh, at least his his brother-in-law would not on paper own the company so sometimes you have to kind of think out of the box like that then we had another situation involving a um, a small family-owned business <coughs> that had quite a bit of revenue and the um, uh, the, the dad had decided that he wanted to, he wanted to hang it up and he wanted to spend uh, as much time as possible with uh, with his wife. They enjoyed being together. Uh, he'd done a very very good job of really essentially making his company company a self managing enterprise. And that's one of the things that we try to encourage our clients to do is to structure things so that they have a business that they don't have to come into. And I know that may sound to some people to be crazy, but, but bear with me because the reason that is important is that if you have a company where you can go, say, 30 days, not check email, not check in at the office at all, and the company is still serving clients, it's still being administered properly, and it's still growing, then you have a self-managing enterprise that has a value separate and apart from you. And so uh, the, the whole idea is to make sure that as long as you're involved in the business, that you're only doing those things that you really want to do that are fun to you and you've delegated everything else. And when you really make things happen is when you even are able to have people within your organization who do those things that you like to do yourself most. Um, uh, and that uh, we, we jokingly refer to that as becoming unnecessary for, uh, for fun and profit. Well, this guy had pretty much done all the right things in terms of making his company into one that was a self-managing enterprise. And in fact, uh, this was a, uh, our client was a second generation owner. Um, when he decided on his route of exit, he decided against initially selling the company to a third party and decided instead that he was going to sell the company to uh, uh, the one son that he had, I think there were five or six children, and there was one son that was uh, active in the company and, and, and actually loved the, loved the work. And then um, there was a, a young gun executive uh, 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 vice president that they had that um, between those two young men who were uh, in their late 30s, early 40s, the... Um, uh, our, our client felt secure that they could uh, carry the ball and make things happen, and so they, he was willing to sell it to them on an installment basis. Well, in the course of things, um, our client had a health crisis, and he um, realized that he needed to be maybe a little bit more cautious. In fact, his, his wife suggested that having their son uh, and this um, a very talented young man who was their vice president uh, owning the company if they were making installment payments to uh, to cash it out that way uh, that if she wound up pass if she wound up being the the widow if our client died she wasn't sure and our client wasn't sure that those young men could um, could handle a downturn in the economy, particularly if it was an extended one, they wouldn't know really what to do. So um, the decision was made to 
uh, seek out a third-party buyer. And we were fortunate in that we were able to uh, 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 do some intelligence in the marketplace, and we discovered that there was a player in uh, maybe about 600 miles from where our client was located who uh, uh, was active in the industry and was trying to grow, uh, grow pretty much as far as he could organically and wanted to now uh, extend his growth through, um, through acquisition. So he was going up and down the, um, the East Coast buying companies in his industry and um, uh, expanding that way. Uh, well, the deal was, was put together. The lawyers did their magic and the accountants uh, did their magic and we got a good uh, valuation from a uh, certified valuation analyst. Uh, which is uh, one of the professionals that's one of the professionals that is good to have uh, uh, on your side. Actually, in the course of doing pre-sale due diligence, that's a good person to have. Um, and as we were heading toward uh, getting everything all tied up and, and signed, uh, the son, before uh, the closing was going to take place, came to his father and said. Uh, you know, I'm really not happy about this result. And um, uh, so I'm not going to um, stay with the company, which was part of the deal. Both these young men uh, were going to have to stay with the company for, uh, for a period of time. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> he said, I'm not going to do it unless, uh, unless you give me some kind of a, a, a bonus or a cut of the, uh, of the sales proceeds. And the figure he had in mind at that time was two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. Now there would have been a, once the two hundred fifty thousand was deducted, there was still a boatload of money. And but the real issue was that this young man had um, uh, was willing to um, to scuttle the sale. Uh, if in, in, in essence he was it was it was an act of piracy when you get down to it. Now. Could we have um, figured uh, that out earlier? That is, I say, we could our, our client have figured this out earlier? Well, yeah, he probably could have. He, he was on top of the situation. He knew that his son was going to have a problem with this particular result. And actually, he could have avoided the problem by simply um, uh, sitting down with his son and, and, and said, I want to make sure that you uh, benefit from the hard work that you put in and want to make sure that you do stay with the company. So um, while that is an unfortunate situation, it, it did cause us to, just, to think out of the box a little bit and to make as part of our, uh, part of our process when we're helping a client to decide about whether or not to have this company succeed to the next generation or, or uh, whether to sell to a third party. Um, part of our process now includes taking a look at uh, the relationship between any of the stakeholders and our uh, owner client, but also uh, more, more specifically with any family members who might have had some expectations of how a particular result was going to occur. So um, 
you know, what kinds of people can help you in those kinds of situations? Well, business psychologists, organizational leadership um, uh, consultants can help out. Um, uh, family therapists uh, can uh, can help out in those situations. Um, but uh, assuming that you don't have those problems uh, is, some, is, a, is a big risk. Uh, it's one of those things that we refer to as it's, it's like riding a motorcycle uh, on, a, uh, on a rain-soaked um, interstate without a helmet. Um, it's, an, it's an unnecessary risk. And as our client found out, and that surprised us enough that we, we decided that uh, we needed to include in our, our process um, uh, 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 diagnosing those kinds of situations and getting the right people involved. Uh, the, you know, for our client, it was, um, uh, you know, $250,000 wasn't walking around money. It was, uh, it was still a chunk of change, even though he still made out very well, even after that thing was netted out. But again, that's something that you can avoid. And, uh, and that can be so with any of the stakeholders. Now, I, I, I want to underscore something that I alluded to a moment ago. Um, in the course of things, when you have uh, a business that you are selling to a third party, very often, in fact, one, one of the things that they're going to be looking at in the course of their due diligence is the quality of the management team and the the, the rate of turnover of, uh, of the associates. So um, if your management team is strong and they and your buyer is willing to buy to continue to operate the company, most of the time they would just as soon not uh, uh, you know, not not change people out. And, um, and, and, re- and replace good managers that already know how to handle things. The ones who are smart, that is what generally they're going to do. Um, now, if they're real organizational control freaks, they may fire some people and put in their own. But our experience and observation has been that the better way to approach that question is to keep good management uh, and good associates in place. Now, if you are leaving the company, and again, if you've done a really good job and you have a self-managing enterprise, um, and you're not uh, being asked to work an earnout, the the due diligence that your buyer is going to do will probably zero in on uh, and conclude that keeping those management people in place is critical to the success of the uh, of the acquisition. So you can help that to happen by doing what is called a stay bonus, uh, and stay bonuses are stay bonuses are used in a number of ways, but in this particular case, you would carve out a portion of your uh, sales proceeds, <coughs> or maybe factor that in as a premium, and. Um, uh, and guarantee to the um, to the management people that you want to stay at least for a particular time that as they hit certain benchmarks within this period of time you want to make sure that they stay 
um, you know, that might be like every six months or every quarter, you know, whatever, um, that they get a, um, uh, that they get a, uh, a cash bonus that's, that's equal to a, um, uh, to a multiple of their salary. So, um, it's not unusual for somebody to, um, uh, to wind up with uh, a stay bonus that's at least an additional 50% of their salary or sometimes two or three times, depending on how important they are to the operation of the company. Um, and that is a good investment uh, and more likely to, to give you a, a, a position where you can uh, uh, sign the, uh, the closing documents, take, take your check and leave and not have to go back. Um, I've seen, though, other situations where um, clients have not taken our advice on this and wound up um, having to work and earn out and being miserable the entire time that they were doing it. Um, so, um, so look at all of your stakeholders, uh, family members, management people, um, and if it looks like that they need to be um, that they're going to be asked to stay with the company after you're gone, uh, make sure that you incent them so that um, so that that kind of a deal is going to happen and you can be assured that they are going to stay with the company and give the buyer what they need to have um, for, the, um, for the acquisition to work. So I leave you with that. Um, and uh, again, um, I'm Frank Warren, Associate Director at Seabrook Wessex. Uh, located in beautiful South Carolina, and I um, uh, hope you have a great rest of your day, and keep having fun on the road to world domination. <laughs> <laughs>